0: you know what that music means it is another weekly episode of playing it forward with my main man mike sauter uh they they call me o d b Mm -hmm. you're just really sauter does anybody ever use mike my, Other than probably your wife when you're in the doghouse, my,
1: my wife. No, that's what. She calls Mike. Mike. Yeah. Hey, Mike. My mom. My, get to the grocery my, store. My mom and my brother are the only people that, and my sister-in-law are the only people that really call me Michael. Oh, Michael. That's when you're in trouble. Really? Oh, yeah. So, do your acquaintances call you Mike? Uh, yeah.
0: Yeah. And Some. and your guys call you Sauter?
1: No, my guys call me Mike. Really? Like my friend, my close friends. Yeah. Okay. Mike. Should I graduate over to Mike? <laughs> whatever you want to do. I, I call you a lot of things. Sometimes Just as long weird. as it's not, hey, you.
0: Yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, welcome back uh, to Playing It Forward. We tackle a lot of tough topics. We try to share what's going on in the community, uh, how folks in the community uh, are vibing, mm-hmm. how leadership skills of the folks that we talk to uh our reflection in the mm-hmm. community, how they've grown, what some of the current issues are—we tackle it all. We are the, well, since you're a Jets fan, we're the Joe, we're the Joe Klecko, that's right. of uh, podcast. We try to tackle it all. I'll take that
2: Is Klecko. Okay, it. I
1: would never uh, Ga- Oh, Gastonow? Well, he's kind of a one trick pony. you that's sure true. you want to go Gastonow over Klecko? All we can get right now. Well, no, dance.
0: <laughs> hey, this week uh, promises to be highly, highly entertaining as. Uh, we talked to Lance Griffin uh, with the Omaha Street School. Does a lot with the Omaha Street School uh, over kind of seeing the Gap U program, which basically is what's next for the high school folks as they try to uh, incorporate, acquire some skills that will allow them to enter the job for seeing what's going on with next-level opportunities. Some of you may know him as Michigan Lance. Uh, He is that guy on Twitter, a frequent caller to morning shows (laughs) and an oft thorn in the side of one Mike, don't call me Michael, Sauter. Lance, how are you? Good good afternoon.
2: I'm good. good. Good afternoon, fellas. How you doing? Thanks for having me. uh, solder and (laughs) binning it's
0: like it's like solder and binning in the afternoon see even on this show my name can't come first it's crazy it's just it just it just doesn't fit i gotta work on that is it the last name or is it my personality or what is it that keeps me from why am i always second secondary that's the last
1: name i think it just rolls better
0: does it yeah well, I'm going to work yeah. on that. I'm going to change it. Yeah. I'm going to change, change it. your last name. Yeah, <laughs> okay. I think that they call that. I, can go, I I can go to court, maybe the government or something. Hey, better so, tell your wife and kids you want to. <laughs> hey, I'm out. Hey, so, so how's it going, man? What what what's going on? What's the latest and greatest with the street school? Uh, and maybe give us a little insight into what the Omaha Street School is.
2: Um, well, we're a uh, nonprofit private school. Um, faith-based uh, in, in North Omaha for of 45th and Benny. I'm sorry. Look, Benny's rolling off the tongue again. Yeah, see, it just 45th, it, it just happens. Yeah, not the school, the street. 45th and Bedford, <laughs> um, <laughs> right on the Better Together campus. Uh, we, we have a school there, high school, uh, 9 through 12, um, alternative school. Uh, we house about 33 students um, with four full-time teachers, principal, executive director, um, one, and, and then my role, uh, we have a director of care, Charles Wilson Jr., and then my role, director of GAPU programs uh, for post-secondary uh, students. And then also, um, I teach one class, Leadership Academy, which is under the umbrella of the GAPU program for uh, for juniors and seniors. So um, in a nutshell, that's us, man, trying, trying to help our kids that are, uh, where the last, pretty much, almost the last resort, resort uh, such as you know, there's alternative schools and and all public schools, Westside, Miller, um, you know, we we get the kids that don't even make it at their alternative schools, and so uh, we're that final stop before they kind of hit the streets or, or drop out or things of that nature. So, um, and we help them out in the best way we can,
1: in- impacting kids' lives. Right, is uh, is basically. Everyone that works at the street school's job. Is, would that most be-
2: definitely. You know, our our, uh, our our model is transformation through education. Um so so most definitely trying trying to help them. A lot of our, our students come from um this is their this is their last hope, and so they're just looking to graduate. And some aren't even looking to graduate. They're just looking for a safe place to go to school. Um and and then we try to help them with graduation. Uh, one of the things that we started to see was that, okay, when they graduated, they didn't know what was next. Hence, we started our the Year program, our internship program uh, for postgraduates um, to help them with that hurdle help, uh, that transition from high school to adulthood.
0: Yeah, it's interesting, right, because um, you talk about being a safe haven and just a place to go to school. So you're obviously – The epitome of meeting kids right where they're at, right? I mean, (laughs) if you don't, it's not going to function correctly. How is where you've been in your educational career? You've got your master's, uh, highly educated. Uh, You've been at Benson. You've been at Omaha Northwest. You've been at Omaha Central. Uh, How was your previous experiences and, and, and maybe going to college out of state but being from here? Helped you navigate some pretty difficult waters.
2: Um, you know, our, our motto this year at Omaha Street School is "Run with perseverance." Each year we have a new one, and and that, that really—I didn't that's uh, Charles Wilson came up with that. He does that every year. That he's he, when we came up with that, he's speaking to me. Uh, perseverance mm-hmm. through, through my life. Uh, you know, coming from a single parent home. Um, growing up with predominantly women, my sister my mother, um, you know, I, I saw how they worked and, and, and got their education and, and, and persevered through life through, through tough battles. And, and so, you know, going to Bowie State University, uh, historically black college and university um, in Maryland, you know, being thousands of miles away from home, <laughs> you know, and then coming back to, to Wayne, America, Wayne State College, where I got my master's small town Nebraska which I've never been to I'm from Omaha uh, so I had no reason to go to a small town in Nebraska uh, so I lived there for a couple of years to get my master's and having to adjust to that and so um, all those things of culmination have helped me persevere, prepared me and which you know trying to do with the, with the young students that I work with today and, and you know that's um, that's coaching. You know, that's 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 teaching, that's being a mentor, counselor, all, all those different things. Uh, one of the things that kept me grounded, he, all, as well as always, just working in the community, working in the community that I'm from in North Omaha, even, uh, you know, even having to persevere working at Concordia Junior Senior High School, um, coaching out there was a different extreme for me. Um, even though I'm from Omaha, I didn't spend a whole lot of my time in West Omaha uh which is you know Concord is on 156th and 4th and so being in that environment but all those things that helped me help me persevere and really be uh and work through those things and finding out some of the stereotypes and prejudices that I had about that area or other areas were were, were broken down which I hope vice versa helped for them too
0: yeah it's interesting right you're one of the the, the few people in my sphere of influence um, that as an African American can talk on both sides of the street, right? You know what yeah. it is to alleviate stereotypes, you know what it is to perpetuate stereotypes as you've grown, and I and dare I use the word matured, how, how is your vantage point changed of just being a, a humanitarian versus this kind of person that has these amount of experiences?
2: Um you know, one thing I, I, I do—I never stop learning, and, and and I and I always and I always embrace a challenge. And so, you know, when you go to a, a fluent community in Northwest Omaha, you know, which is Concordia, um, I would say that real that experience, and and that was how old was I? I was thirty-five years old at the time when I became the head coach there. Um, that experience enlighten me and help me through to say okay I may know you know one or two I may have a couple white friends that are very genuine uh or, or been across a couple influences coaches or whatever but I, I never really see the majority and, and what they taught me was that there could be a majority that that doesn't look at my race and and and, and judge me for or for what I look like or, or just judge me for my performance and, and what I do which is we all try to strive for as minorities just to be judged on on, on that.
1: What is, is, I guess I'm going to change topics a little bit. Back to Go your ahead, role, at, back to your role at Street School, is how much can the community help? You Say like for what you do, the gap programs is can mm-hmm. the community. You rely on community support, obviously, for the internships or helping kids find their way those type of things how much do you rely on the community and, and how can people
2: help? So um, one thing that we, you know, that I said before, we're a nonprofit. Mm-hmm. And so what that means is we don't get any government assistance. Uh, we, we have to write grants, hundred percent donations, uh, things of that nature. And so you can go to Omaha street uh, to, to find out more information that it gives you on, on donating to us. and, and people think uh, donating is always monetary, and, and it's not. Of course, right. we definitely need and, and want the monetary piece of it. But there's other ways, such as like my internship program. You may have a business where you can take an intern uh, that I have. Uh, you may can become a mentor in the classroom for a, a subject that you may be good at. Um, there's, you know, there's all different ways you can, you can donate, you know, Whatever, toilet paper, uh, paper towels. Like we need, a, you know, mm-hmm. school supply. We need all that stuff too. We have to buy all that stuff ourselves. And so we get a lot of help, uh, but we can always use more. We, we can never use enough help because every year we have to reciprocate. We have to get these types of things. Um, so anytime you can come to OmahaStreetSchool.com, learn how to volunteer, donate, learn more about a program, come take a tour, see what we're about. Um, that's the best way, and we're engaging. We get out in the community, like like what I'm doing now. You know, you guys are giving me a platform to to discuss the Omaha Street School. Um, but we're also out in the community, uh, like I said, Charles Wilson Jr. He's our director of care. He's community engagement. He goes to churches every day mm-hmm. in Omaha, spreading our word, uh, things of that nature, and and, and us just working in the community, like like DB, knowing connections on you. Uh, you know, sort of. You know that that's word of mouth. You know what I mean? That's how we get it out there. But you can always go to our website at OmahaStreetSchool.com dot com to it's get en- more information.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. A guy that's obviously well educated, but has kind of used sports as his platform uh, to unite folks. What's this past year uh, in the country been like? Not only with the pandemic, uh, but there's been a lot of social justice issues, and we've seen sports even going all the way back to some of the NFL stuff uh, in 15 and 16, we've seen it kind of become divided. Mm -hmm. When you look at how what was once the great equalizer in some way, shape or form be a little bit of a separator, what are you doing to either maybe combat, understand, digest, roll with that?
2: Well, before I answer that question, let me ask you a question, uh, D B. Um what have I've always incorporated I probably started to call your show. When when did you start at uh 20, when it was your tw- start?
0: Twenty twenty the summer the fall of twenty twelve, going into twenty thirteen.
2: Yeah, there you go. So I've been a caller since then. Mm. From that time up until this time what was what was the one thing that I was always centered around when I was talking about sports?
0: Boy, there's a lot.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, based based on the question you just asked me, that's based off the question you just asked me. Are always some way incorporated what race? Exactly. Yeah. exactly. There you go. Always from twenty from twenty twelve when you started on that show and early on people were now getting into the answer. You know, people were like, man, why is he always bringing up race? Why he always has to go? Why does he always have to go there? It's not always about <laughs> Oh, that. yeah. Okay. So when you say our country and, and others, our country has been divided in the last year. No, our country has always been divided. No, what's come to the light and the forefront is what I've been talking about publicly since 2012 so all you saw in 2020 was people who suppressed their bigotry prejudice racism come to the light in the forefront all these people sit up here and when i say all these people i'm talking about white black hispanic whoever all these people talk about Well, Trump divided the country and Trump is racist and he did this and he did that. Hold on a second. The only thing I attribute to him and give him credit for is bringing it to light that people have suppressed since the days of pre-Civil Rights Movement, KKK, Jim Crow, all that has been suppressed, but it was still there. (laughs) All he did was bring it to the light and people felt comfortable within themselves to bring it out to the light on how they really feel and felt.
1: He, he gave them the okay, is what you're saying. Yes, yeah. yes, the okay again. Right.
2: You know what I mean? The, the proudness, the, oh, he's saying this, so now I can, oh, I feel now I have somebody who has my back that, that, that you know, now I can come out and say
1: it. Embolden. You can? Yeah. Go ahead. And I just say embolden is, he's emboldened that.
2: Um, yeah, yeah, right. It's always been there. Right. Yeah. And so, so so, so, then you asked me, well, how did I deal with it or or navigate? You know, I was just happy that dialogue was started to occur. Predominantly, number one, at the University of Nebraska. I've talked about it since 2012 as well. That was one of the things I talked about with University of Nebraska football, not having minority, especially black, top assistant coaches athletic department no minority head coaches when there's been a lot of minority specifically black players within their athletic program and then you get to hear those former players current like within the last 10 years players and then you know your generation db and 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 before who were probably who couldn't really speak up because of the backlash they would have felt or or were suppressed to say, you know what? Hey, this is how I felt. And then you got white teammates at Nebraska. Hey, man, wow, I didn't even know that. Those are the type of things that we've had to deal with and suppress, and we felt we couldn't stick up, speak up, because hey, I might I had too much to lose, whether it's my scholarship, whether it was my spot um, on the team, or whether it was my on the depth chart, whatever it was or maybe. You know, and, and, and we're talking about Nebraska, so we're in Nebraska. But they're not the only ones. Iowa being exposed, Clemson, like all these different places that have been predominantly white, um, people start to speak up and have a conversation and the dialogue that we all need to have to move forward. That was that was the good thing that came out of all this. Everybody always focuses on the bad. The good thing about this is that we're talking about it like we are right now with a white guy, Mike Souter, black guy, Damon, me being a black guy, we have to have dialogue and conversation about this or we'll never move forward. Yeah. How how do we, What what's next steps then?
1: How do we as a country or a football program or a basketball program right. or what what's, what's I, I, in your opinion, what's next steps to I, kind of uh-huh. move forward from that?
2: Yeah, so, so, a lot of people, so what's also good come out of this, you you found companies really put an emphasis on minority hires. And I'm talking about any, you know, whether it's CVS, um, which which I know for sure because I know somebody that works there. Um, you know, just different companies and businesses. You know, even at Omaha Street School, we had, you know, yeah, we care about people. We're faith-based Christian. You know what I mean? We still had to have a dialogue as well as a, as a team. You know what I mean, and so um, the the next step is minorities being judged and put in position for higher uh, to make decisions, whether it's a producer, whether it's a a manager, a owner, you know what I mean, a vice president, CEO or CFO. Like we've gotten, we've moved to where we've gotten good jobs and. But now we need to move to the ceiling, that glass ceiling that's been holding us back to put us in position, a la the NFL. You know, they're going to hire people who they know, who they like, who they feel comfortable with and, and with. Mm-hmm. That's what the majority of the white guys are going to do. Now, black people, Hispanic people, whatever race or gender you are, we're all going to do that. We're just not been in those positions to do. It. Mm-hmm. So that the next step, Mike, is... To we need to be in decision-making positions, hiring positions for this country because the majority of the country or a lot of it now is minority. So so we need to be decision makers and policyholders, things of that nature too.
0: Let me ask you something. I think because one of the things that kind of drew me to you is I'm a big self-inventory guy. I like guys to be able to take a look at themselves and gals. Real time, kind of assess what they're at, where they're at, Um, you know, see what helps, see what hurts. And one of the things I've always appreciated is you're an equal opportunity offender. Uh, (laughs) Doesn't, I mean, that's just the way it is, right? You grew up a Creighton fan. You're very tough on Creighton. You are uh, your namesake, a huge Michigan fan. Very difficult on Michigan. Where do you draw the line between being a contrarian? And as the kids would say, just no cap, just keeping it real. Like, Mm -hmm. because part of your brand is to not go along and still get along. But it really, at the end of the day, is it's all about you're willing to assess something on the fly, even though you may actually like it. You're not afraid to say the negative either.
2: Yeah, so. You're asking me how how, I, how do I? Yeah,
0: do it's, this? it's. I mean, you've made you've made a living doing it,
2: <laughs> <laughs> right?
0: <laughs> you know what? Y- you're um, a Chicago Bulls fan, and you badmouth Jordan. You you're a <laughs> Michigan fan, and you and you, and you like couldn't Jim get Harden. Don Brown out yeah. of there soon enough. Right. And had not already put Harbaugh here. on the hot seat. Yeah. Okay. So you, you grew up a Creighton fan, here. and if they don't get to the second weekend, the season's a failure.
2: <laughs> right. So so here's the thing. Again, what did I say early? I'm always I'm all about learning. I'm all about learning, getting better, um, not staying stagnant in the same place. Self-inventory. Where was I at five years ago? Where was I at 10 years ago? What did I, you know, what did I didn't do and try to get better from there. Once you, I believe once you reach a certain point in life in, in sports, whatever it is, continue to grow and get better until your clock stops. Mm. And so I'm not going to sit back and rest on my laurels and say, oh, okay. Oh, well, it's good enough. We made it this far or I made it this far. That's good enough. No, you can always be better, and so that's what I hold accountable for me, my family, my kids, and everyone that's around me. Of course, yeah, I'm gonna acknowledge the good. I'm gonna, I'm gonna support you. I'm gonna cheer for you, but I'm also gonna be okay. What's next to get better? And so that's why I do those things and, and, and assess. And I just want to, we're all and, and, and one of, here's the other thing. So like when you say I talk about Jordan and criticize. Listen, man, when I was growing up, Jordan was my favorite player. Uh, you know, Jordan was like, <laughs> you know, in a sense, he was like a guy to me, a, a mythical figure. And then as you kind of grow and get all your like, and and, and the, the insecurities that you have or, or the trials and tribulations that you have, like, you find out, oh, these people are human and have those things too. Why didn't nobody ever tell me that? <laughs> so then I wouldn't have been so disappointed When I found out, oh, they're not perfect. Like, I'm I'm not, you know, I I don't like to hoodwink people. That's why Iverson is one of, you know, became my favorite player after Jordan because we saw the good, the bad, the ugly. And guess what? That's life. That's being a human. That's human nature. That's all of us. Nobody's out here perfect. And so, but... All I try to and I tell my kids is that my kids, my my kids that I have and the kids that I work with, who I call my kids as well, because I don't treat them any different. The same expectations I have for my own personal three kids I have, I have for my students and and players that I work for, too. Listen, all all you can do is do more good than bad in your life. Make more, make less mistakes in your life, the majority of mistakes. Because we all going to make mistakes and do bad. The thing about it is, how much good are you going to put out into the world and do it? That's how you be successful.
1: I think a key to that, too, is when you make the mistake, you own it and you yep. work to get better. Kind of like, I mean, one of the biggest, I don't know reclamation project is it, but I, I just watched the Tiger Woods doc. Right. Like the two-season se- two thing. And, I mean, that dude was way, like, I mean, when all that came out It was like, holy cow And watching that reminded me of it And now you look at it like everyone still cheers Tiger Because he, he, he kind of owned it, right? Well, I think everybody <laughs> likes a good comeback story Yeah, yeah
2: Yeah, you know, it was, yeah, that was a bad press conference that he did Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah but, um, you know, when he's That's why about I said
1: it, kind of owned
2: it <laughs> <laughs> but, but here's the thing, man At the end of the day when we talk about sports entertainers or people who are on TV, like, appreciate them for what they do. For that, for that. what In sports, entertainment, TV, movies, that's what, that's, that doesn't mean that's 100% them. That's one thing that they do, mm-hmm. okay? And then everybody wants to take it personal when they mess up. Oh, see, look what he did. That's his personal life. Mm-hmm. We can all look into each other's personal life and find some things that aren't the greatest showing of you, and so that's what we need to get away from—is idolizing people where they take, okay, he's a great golfer. Okay, that doesn't mean he's the best husband, the best father, the best. I mean, there, you know, we've gotten to the point where we've gotten too much information from people. That's none of our people's personal lives. None of our business. Man. Hey, I t- try to keep it professional.
0: Two things before we wrap this up. You told a great story the other day because you said you don't like to hoodwink people. You, yeah, yeah. You, you go sh- you're not afraid to ask the tough questions, and you're, you, you found this balance between being confrontational and asking the questions. For those listening to this podcast at home, you saw a real-life manifestation of it in your own home with your daughter at school when she was punched in the stomach the other day. <laughs> Tell that story because I love the analogy. I'm, like, I'm not an advocate of, listen, I'm not advocating violence. But yeah, to keep neither. it 100, <laughs> the lesson and the moral behind the story was nothing short of fantastic.
2: So, okay. So, this is great because Mike covers high school sports. Mm-hmm. DBU coach high school sports and got kids in high school sports right now. And I said one of the things in the last 10 years that we that I think we saw in the generation is not mentally tough kids. And so, excuse me, you know what, the, and it's not even just in sports, academically, whatever it may be, just in society as a general, in general. And so one of the things, like, like I love what Mike said, okay, so what's the next step? What's the solution? Me, Damon, a couple other people I see with their kids nowadays, this next generation coming up. I see fathers holding their kids accountable and making them mentally tough. And what I mean by that is, it doesn't always have to be a fist fight. It's it's just standing up for yourself, being able to persevere and work through difficult times. And so there's a situation with my daughter, and and it's funny, D, because she told me, when she told me the story, it happened three three or four months before. And the one thing she said was, Oh, Dad, I knew you were going to get riled up. That's why I didn't even tell you until now. So she she says, uh, so-and-so punched me in the stomach. And, uh, you know, I'm father, my youngest daughter, my baby girl. Hold on, what? What happened? You know, yeah, he punched me. I said, so did you punch him back? And so she said no. And now I'm getting really mad because that's not what I tell you. Hey, man, you better defend yourself. Nobody touches you. You put They put their hands on you. You put your hands on them. And so... Um, just to defend yourself, that's all. And so, <laughs> yeah. uh, so she said, I said, well, why didn't you hit him back? And she said, no, I went to go hit so-and-so, some girl. And I was like, "But well, why'd you go punch her in the stomach? She said, because she told him to punch me in the stomach. Uh, I said, oh, you're my, ba- oh, yes, you're my dog. <laughs> you went after the source. <laughs> you didn't have to go around. Yeah. Don't deal with the little minions. No. So the source of no. The next time you ever you won't ever try to pull that with me. I'm coming to you, and so that's what I'm about, I'm about going head on, face to face, confronting things because there's so much minutia that people go through to get to things. No, man, let's get straight on, straight to the point, and we can work from there and get better.
0: All right. Okay. So again, I said two things. It's two things now. Number one, how many how many people in that sphere of, in your sphere of influence? As you've grown up, have you lost because of that philosophy? Because that's not for everybody. And and number two, I need you to say again how we can support and help the Omaha Street School.
2: Okay, so, you know, listen, you got to know when fight or flight. I I understand that. You know what I mean? My, My kids are young. And so, believe you me, I'm talking them through situations. And so, you know, just defending themselves, not letting things happen, just standing up for yourself, because I see a lot of people that don't. And I don't tell them every time, hey, you know, go tell the teacher. You know, also tell them, you know, go tell the teacher, you know, detrimental situation. It was was a playful thing, kind of hurt, you know what I mean? But if he would have hit her like with a two-by-four or something, I would have said, hey, go tell the teacher. Like, this is a different situation. And so, yeah, man, there's situations to where I've lost people, that you make, you know, I, I won't say their name because I'll tell the story of how I lost them because you guys know him, a former basketball player. Um, you know, here was a guy that was a good kid, um, but felt that because of peer pressure, that he had to go do something to show other people. So like, it was a money situation. You know what? I, I don't want to come here and not have any money. So what did he go do? He, he didn't have. Any, so he went to go rob somebody. And and, and in the sense of going to rob somebody, that person shot him and killed him. Now, my buddy was in the wrong because you don't just go kick in somebody's door and go rob them. But then again, he felt the peer pressure of peers and others of, you know what, I have to live a certain lifestyle to show these people. And that's what I am teaching my kids and understanding the difference in situations just like the police brutality we're dealing with. I had to have conversations with my 11, 10, uh, my 11, my 10, and my six-year-old about police brutality. That's way too early I wanted to have that conversation with them this summer. But it had to be done because they seen it plastered everywhere. So I'm not going to tell them if a policeman cusses you out to cuss them out. No, you better know the protocol. You're not like everybody else. Hands on the steering wheel, look forward, do as they say. Come home safe. That's the ultimate goal. Mm. And so, like you said, DB, I got to ask the question. I got to find different solutions. So it's not always like there's flight as well. Um, please, you know, go to omahastreetschool.com. All the information that you need is on that website, whether it's my GAPU program, volunteers, how to donate, what about our school, what our uh, five pillars are, what our um, mission statement is. That's the that's the best thing to do. Everybody has electronic devices. OmahaStreetSchool Come check us out.
0: Michigan Lance, I didn't think you'd disappoint. Pretty much a straight shooter. Sauter's no longer scared of you anymore. I think he feels <laughs> was, like you're a lot more approachable. I was
1: never
2: <laughs> talking.
0: Hey, us. listen, Sauter's over here like bone crusher man. Never scared. Ah, I'm it's kidding. Heard my name? Yeah. <laughs> hey man, I was. That was a great song in like, what was that, Long, early oh, 2000? Early 2000s? That was an amazing
2: song, yeah. In my 20s, all oh, yeah. Turn it yeah, up then, man. That's my guy. 405. Well, that's and Michigan. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. Thank you for the platform. Uh, thank you for everything that you've done for me, DP. You too, Sada. I appreciate yep. it. Yep.
1: You're
0: the man. How about that? That was good. Yeah, he doesn't mince a lot of no, words. No,
1: no, no. It was good. That's yeah. exactly what I. I think we wanted, right? It
0: is, man. Plan it yeah. forward. You can always learn something. We'll be back next week. Special guest. I think next week we're going to focus on business models, mm-hmm. leadership, and how to build from the ground up. Yeah. I think we both.
1: We might be, we, we, Sasha, we might be here a while on that
0: one. I think we got a guy, (laughs) and I think we both know a guy.
1: Might need an hour.
0: (laughs) He's highly, highly entertaining. We won't disappoint. A lot like Michigan Lance, the Ken Kangers, the Dr. Lucases of the world, even when it's just me and old MS.
1: Got a little opinion from me. Yeah.
0: Yeah. We'll take good care of you. Be back next week. When the pod drops, it's playing it forward. Don't miss out.
1: A Huda Media Production.